This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons, and of course Michael, sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back to all of you who are still with us, and welcome for the first time if this is your first episode. If it is, that's kind of weird that you're starting at week 10, but we forgive you. Uh, like I said, this is week 10 of the 2001 NFL season bestowed upon us by our Lord and Savior, Thomas Patrick Brady Jr. Did I get that right? I can never remember the order of the, Got it. the middle. I think time. so. I, I feel like you should be the third. It just sounds better. Yeah. Oh. Well, there is, uh, the third. Wasn't there a player who's who was the second? Yeah, oh, uh, Gardner Minshew, the second. Yes, yeah. and Philip Dorsett, right? I thought he was the third. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's it, the third, which makes sense. But you don't often see the second. But apparently, it's because uh, it's not his father's name; it's his grandfather's name. So he's technically not a junior, but he is the second. Hmm. Yeah, that's from the block. Yes, that's right. That's where I learned it from. So, uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about Gardner Flint Minshew, is that right? Middle name Flint? Uh, you can Gardner. go to brownbrosports.com and read Gregory's perusings about it. Loved it. But today we're going to be talking about what I'm going to posit as the most important loss of the Patriots dynasty. Whoa, that's a bold Whoa. statement. Yeah. Hot. Right out the bat. That's right. We're coming out to shoot hot boys. Why do you say that? Wow. Um, because this game, uh, we haven't actually introduced yet against where the greatest show on turf visited old Foxborough Stadium. Uh, coming in red hot eight and one against the Pats, who are just over five hundred at five and four. Uh this was the game I think that gave the Patriots the confidence that they could compete at a high level. Even though they didn't win the game, I think they I took just, away from it that they were able to hang with the elite of the NFL. You disagree, Greg? Yep. Why? No, you, don't, you don't lose games and be like, that's a good loss. Oh, that, I mean, well, I what about that? that what? said in, the, well, in the, uh, the, the after, what the fuck am I, the post-game locker room stuff. But Project's definitely not congratulating them for losing this game. But, but I think, Greg, do you remember the Kansas City game where the team uh, basically lost their spirit? And then that last drive where Gronk got a touchdown and whatnot turned the whole season around because Belichick said that he saw fire in the team. That was ooh, a good loss. The we're on to Cincinnati game. That's a good one, too. Yeah. It's all bullshit. Okay. I agree. But let's, let's give it to the <laughs> listeners, okay? It's all hindsight, you know, because there's plenty of teams over the years that have lost terribly. And oh, okay, fine. Every loss sucks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Forget about <laughs> story. Every loss sucks. <laughs> oh, you right. are in rare mood. Good God. And I told you. In Hollywood. Sorry, guys. Do I have yeah. a mute button for Mike? I do. Okay, just checking. You should use it frequently today, I, I feel like. I might. It's a horn. Uh, guys let's talk about the rams then who i will still i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna stick with my take out of the bat i think this was uh, a positive in the long run 
in terms of the direction of the Patriots dynasty. So put them on the right direction. So what? I'm sticking with my, my take too, but your take is stupid. Well, that's fine. Nobody really cares what you. I mean, I I like the story of it, but Greg won me over every last blows, and there's no good that can come from it ever. What about um, people that lose in life? Yeah, they're losers. Was it two thousand four ish? Oh, actually, here's a better one: the Patriots uh, lose in '06 in the AFC Championship game to the Colts. And that opens up, opens the eyes of the coaching staff that Brady needs help. And they go out and get Welker and Moss and light the league on fire. Was that and not accomplish a good nothing at the same time. Was it, well, I wouldn't say nothing. Ooh. It's accomplish exactly Ooh. everything. Sour spot there. See you again. Scratch this from the uh, podcast, man. I'm just going to delete your entire audio from this one. I think it's going to be. Yeah, it's fine. Can I just hang back and drink my rum? (laughs) Do it. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, speaking of the Rams, uh, they will finish the season 14 and 2. First in the NFC West, obviously. Uh, Their only only losses this season were to the 7 and 9 Saints randomly in week 7, and then against the 9 and 7 Bucks in week 11, which is directly after this game. So I think this may have also led to the uh, loss directly after this this game, just because of how hard it was played and how close it was. I'm sticking with it, too. I'll give you that. That makes sense to me, unless uh, Greg can sway me on that. <laughs> I'm sure he'll were try. Those, were those divisional games? What division were they in? NFC West. Um that's a good question because that was before the realignment. Yeah, because I feel like I don't know why I always think they're in the same division as the Falcons. So they, yeah, so that NFC West back then was Rams, 49ers, Saints, Falcons, Panthers. And so the final standings Rams obviously 14 and 2, like we said, 49ers 12 and 4, and then nobody else above 500. Saints were 7 and 9, Falcons 7 and 9, Panthers 1 and 15. Which we will see them later in the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. So this uh, was like we touched on before, part of the greatest show on turf era. Uh, the the offense would score five hundred three points this year, which was seventh most all time at the time. Um, which was I think more impressive because this was before the explosion of offensive production. Uh, you can see, you know rookie quarterbacks these days throwing for 50 touchdowns, but back then that was unheard of. So, um, but as part of this, you know, greatest show on turf, the reason it was called that is because the year before this, they put up 540 points, which was third all time at the time. And the year before that, in 99, they put up 526 points, which was fourth all time at the time. So they're putting up top 10 all time scoring numbers every year for three years in a row. And uh, as part of that, in this, it was alluded to by one of the commentators that the Rams had scored coming into this game 31 touchdowns, and they had only punted 23 times on the season coming into the game. And so I went down a bit of a rabbit hole today at lunch and forgot to eat lunch because of it. But I decided that I would look up um, how many times teams have finished with more touchdowns than punts on a season. 
And there were th- there were 34 of them, believe it or not. And I'm pretty sure you could probably name maybe half of them off the top of your head. But in terms of the punt differential, the punt touchdown differential, if you will, how many more touchdowns and punts there were, uh, who would you guess would be at the top of that list? With the most punts or the least amount of punts? No, the, the, the most uh, more touchdowns and punts, like the biggest positive difference. Patriots, 07. Yeah. Is that correct? That is correct. They had yeah. 75 touchdowns, which is, I think, second all time to that. Was it 2013 Broncos, was it? Uh, yeah, 2013 Broncos had 76 touchdowns on the year. The 07 Pats had 75. But the difference in punting was that that Broncos team punted 66 times that year. So they're only plus 10. The Patriots in 07 punted 45 times. So they were a plus 30 on the season in terms of touchdowns to punts. Mike, thoughts on punters? I love them. <clears throat> um, so I'm, I'm just enjoying my, my Oak Heart rum and listening to this fabulous conversation about beautiful. Punters. Beautiful. What was that? Is that a free plug? Um, it can be. I mean, we can work it out. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about Oak Heart. <laughs> it's does not it bad. Smooth? It does. It goes out. You can sip it. You can chug it if you really want to. Uh, okay. I, would, I don't recommend that. And, um, you know, you can find it for like 10, 12 bucks. It's not too bad. <laughs> does it I'll help ease you. the pain? It's making this show go a lot better. <laughs> oh, boy. You say that now, well, but we're not even halfway oh, yeah. done. I know. Here's a hot take. In uh, in ten years, that where that number is going to skyrocket. More teams in the NFL than not will have more touchdowns than punts. So, yes, I think you're right because to that point, um, of the top four, uh, two of those were this were uh, the last two years. Kansas City yeah. number two last year with a plus twenty six, and Baltimore this year plus twenty three. Yeah, the analytics say you shouldn't punt. Yep. Yeah, because well, I think uh, way more infrequently than they do. Yeah, actually, both teams in this uh, upcoming Super Bowl, the Chiefs and the 49ers, are both on this this list. Yep. Now, yeah. this will not be upcoming by the time you listen to this, y'all. So, if we say anything stupid or inaccurate, well, tweet at us if we have a Twitter. Then we do. Sweet. I didn't even know that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm going. You're going to the Super Bowl? I'm going to Miami. Oh, well, that's almost cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I was going to say that you're, you're big balling because the Super Bowl tickets are going for like nine grand at the moment. I know. What yeah. is that all about? We, we got the Airbnb like around the time of Antonio Brown being signed. <laughs> <laughs> Bold. And then it didn't quite work out, but no? it was like, on a round trip flight for 150 bucks, so I might as well spend a weekend in my. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Love yeah. it. I mean, it'd be awesome if the Pats were playing, but they would be, but they're not. But that that would have yeah. been a whole lot more expensive because uh, you can't go down there and not go to the Super Bowl. No, that <laughs> was a major concern of mine. <laughs> <laughs> you take out that second mortgage. It's all. It's all good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Andy, 
was yes. one of the uh, teams that you're mentioning, the Peyton Manning's Colts, because I remember one year they that they it was a running gag that that punter just never did anything. Do you remember uh, that year? There are the Colts are on here a couple times. They are so. number fourteen with a plus twelve in two thousand four, and then let's see where else. Uh, the twenty and twenty nine back to back seasons of oh seven and oh six. They're both plus two. Oh, all right. Oh, and they're also thirty second with a plus one. So they're on here a bunch. Yeah, they they definitely score more touchdowns than punts often. That's punts. In the Manning era. Punts. Punts. <laughs> all right, I'm glad you boys found that as fascinating as I did. That was definitely worth a a lunch break. Cool. Well, I can tell that you didn't eat lunch. You can what? You can tell that you didn't eat lunch. Oh, thanks. I said that I enjoyed it. Thank you very much for sharing that. You're very welcome. I I know how much you like uh, punters and punt stats, so put that together just for you. Thank you, and I I loved it. Every minute of it. Every second of it. For all the people that are still listening, um, (laughs) let us know how you feel about that whole conversation. Yeah, fuck it. You can tweet us at uh, Pat's Dynasty Info on Twitter. There you go. That's sexy. Especially that info part. Come get us, yeah. All right. Uh, The Rams, the architect of this greatest show on turf, Mike Martz. Uh, He was pretty good. It was six seasons as a head coach from 2000 to 2005. So he he wasn't really the architect of this, I guess, now that I'm saying that. Um because this was already in place when he took over, wasn't it? So that's great. Um, he was, uh, he kind of like drove this team to the ground a little bit. So he was fired after week five in 2005. So he didn't make it through the full season. Um, and uh, I can add to that uh, probably a reason why he petered out because I wrote down that he had a uh, comment that they haven't uh, – the Rams hadn't faced a team like the Patriots with as speedy of receivers as they have. And I love Troy Brown. I love David Patton. <laughs> but if if that's what you're putting out into the world, um, it makes sense that you might be out of a job soon. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. He Yeah, he wasn't uh... – uh, but was that something that he said? I thought that was uh, more on the defensive coordinator. Oh, I thought it was him. I re- I take back everything I just said if it was the defensive <laughs> coordinator. Everything. Yeah, I, I apologize that, I, for that. I had that written down as a, a Lovey Smith quote. No, yeah. no, no. I say Martz said they had. Now, I was kind of half paying attention, so I'm not sure, uh, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, Greg, could you uh, look that up, please? <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, it was the, uh, the, the quote was, Patriots wide receivers present the biggest challenge of the season, according to Lovey Smith and this defense. Oh, see, because the quote that I had was uh, that they hadn't faced a team with receivers like the Patriots yet. Yeah, yeah, I think they, yeah, I think that was the continuation of the quote, yeah, and how, All right, how fast whatever, they dude. were. Maybe they both fucking said it, and... okay? Maybe they both said it. <laughs> Maybe neither of them said it. Maybe we were lied to you by Joe Theismann. I mean, he could, yeah. That could I mean, be you it. never know. He doesn't Greg? look like a trustworthy guy. I can't find it. I'm looking. <laughs> I don't know. Google, you know. Um, Alexa, game who said the following quote? Uh, so yeah, those are the only 
notable coaches, I think. There was Ken Zampezi, who was only really – he was a wide receiver coach, only really – notable in air quotes because he's the son of the former Patriots offensive coordinator, Ernie Zampezi mm. back in 98, 99. So I don't know how much of an effect he had on that. Although these commentators were all about this, this wide receiving core. Oh, Andy. What the Rams? Yeah. Wait, what happened? Greg's chiming in. Well, if Andy's about to go on his fucking weekly rant about the uh, commentators. I really oh, like yeah. them. You I did? like the yeah. look. You know what? Yeah. I think it's this is a rarity, but I don't have a football or not football because I think I got everything that they were talking about. Yeah, wow. I thought was it? it was Mike Patrick, uh, Paul McGuire, and Joe Theismann. And I thought Theis- Joe Theismann was the original Tony Romo. Like his, yeah. his points were oh, on yeah. point. Yeah. He was pointing things out before they happened. A little fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah he was having a good time with people. That's what. That's what makes a good commentator is like just having fun. Yeah, but also knowing the game too. Like it's not like listening to Dan Deardorff being like, I can't understand why they're throwing a flag. Like Joe Theismann actually knew the rules and could explain them to you in real time as it's happening instead of 20 minutes later when he's been told by, you know, whatever research staff he has, the Greg Browns of the world. I mean, um, the only thing I had was that he sticks him right between the two and the eight, and I kind of figured what that meant pretty quickly. You figured it out? Did you yeah. like the co- the comment about the 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 referees having those East German surplus microphones that aren't working again? No, I missed that. What's going on oh, there? Yeah. Well, you, did you not hear the referees? Because neither did anybody else. Because oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, cutting in and out. That's right. Yeah. But we did do? say that Bledsoe throws a more catchable ball. How do you feel about that as a Bledsoe stand? I don't. Well, I mean. They also said this, so we can debate how good they actually were because uh, one of the quotes was um, Brady just ripped off, and I say ripped off because he looked like he was actually running. It was like a 10-yard run for first down, and one of the Mm -hmm. announcers says, that's one element that Brady adds to the offense that you won't see with Bledsoe, the ability to gain (laughs) first downs running the football. I don't know what kind of statement that was. Is that a shot at Bledsoe for getting injured instead of getting a first down and – Oh, I didn't take it that way, but that's some shade. That is funny. In retrospect, <laughs> now that we know that Bledsoe's okay, in retrospect, pretty hilarious. Hell yeah. So if we want to talk about the uh, the presentation, this is really the first uh, primetime game of, of the Patriots dynasty. And it was the first appearance of the yellow first down line. Yeah, and you you basically took my best of the game because <laughs> I didn't even uh, know that. I, I wrote down, is this the first time we've actually seen this? I wasn't sure, but I guess it is. With, with these pages, yeah, because apparently it was owned by, I think ESPN actually put it together. I have a quote here somewhere. Um, yeah, so this is the, here it is. Oh, CBS, rather, excuse me. You knew immediately it wasn't the usual third or fourth string AFC telecast on CBS when the ball was spotted after the play and the yellow first and 10 line appeared for the first time this season on the telecast of a Patriots game. It's usually reserved for the key national games because of the $25,000 per game expense. That oh, is so. some foresight. Yeah. So they're up in 25 G's for a lion. Yeah. But now everybody uses it. Yeah. But now how do you feel about, because I love that yellow line because I'm a lazy viewer. Absolutely. Um, 
but um and plus it creates like a great conversations in bars and at friends homes but um how does it compare with the remember the hockey puck that used to like glow and it was like on fire <laughs> yeah. why did yeah. that never stick well because because re- like you know hockey fans are like macho like oh hockey yeah <laughs> yeah that was for the casual fan who hockey fans hate. There, I don't think there are any ha- casual hockey fans. Is the problem? It's like they say, like casual lacrosse fans. That, that's not a thing. They were offended by the the glowing puck. You yeah, know? I can I see so. that. Yeah, it filled them. So, but yeah, I mean, on that note, touch uh, watching games now. I realize the things that I think when they first came out, I used to hate, but I don't anymore. Like when they actually put the down and distance, like they display it on the field, you know, with that like arrow below the, where they all line oh, up. Right. And I kind of miss that because I can never quite find it in time on these telecasts because they only show it like before the game and then it goes away when the play happens. So I'm like, as soon as oh, the play right, ends, yeah. I, I look up to find out like what down that was because I've already forgotten because I have ADD and I have no idea what down or distance it is. Uh, that doesn't happen to me. That sounds like a personal problem. Well, that's well, because I, mean, we get- I watch the games though. Oh, shots fired there. But let's go back to the greater issue here. Um, and I'm watching the game as we speak. I know. You might get to the end of the game by the time we finish the podcast. I mean, we'll see. But, Not at uh, this rate. But that, that, that is also something to talk about maybe for another time. But you throw around ADD. Is this, uh, I, what do you mean by that? Is it a flippant remark? Or are you talking about actual problems here? Because if that's yeah. the case then we're good. But if not, don't throw that shit around, Andy. It's both. I can say it because I have it. Okay, fine. I can joke about it because I am one. All right, now I... your tone makes me feel bad. So <laughs> I can joke about it because I abuse prescription drugs that I'm not prescribed to. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, episode, huh? <clears throat> uh, sorry I brought it up. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Well, I got to, how about this one? Yeah. It's just in my head. What do you think about if they were to like come up with technology to make that line visible to the players? <laughs> so I, I, well, all right. So uh, I'll, I'll run with this. That's a good question. I think well, what, no. Here you go. Here's what you need to do. It, it can't just be because I think you. If it's gonna be that, it's gonna be like lasers and shit, right? Right. right. So that yeah. So if you're gonna be doing lasers and shit in the field, you may as well just get rid of the the sticks and just like, like laser measure, like you know, put a chip in the ball or some bullshit like that, and then have both the um the line of scrimmage be like laser etched on the field or whatever, and the or laser displayed but you're probably not going to be etching anything but then also the first down is exactly 10 yards away to the millimeter and so okay. when they put the ball down as long as as long whoa, 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 as the, whoa, whoa. it breaks the, Andy, Andy, the line i gotta cut you off i gotta cut you off the first down you can't talk about this now because you get rid of referees no 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 what you gotta get do is commentators. dude dude dude, dude. You, you gotta I'm keep fine. it under wraps <laughs> and this is why i want you to patent this idea I want right. you to. I don't know how to do all that shit, but you just do it, Got and it. then you go into just Shark lasers. Tank, oh, and yeah. then you pitch this shit, and then you license it. Okay, because that's what what they tell me. Because I've been watching oh, it recently. I would need a name for this company, though. Uh it's got to be something hip. 
Yeah, that's that, what I mean. That could also be translated to like classrooms and it like It could be like laser circuses. line but with no vowels. Or like a hashtag laser line. L Z R L Y N. Yeah. <laughs> Done. All right. All right. So, uh, so, so anybody, anybody listening, there, don't yeah. yeah, don't patent this. Yeah, it's a really good fucking idea. Because I mean, we're, we're we're talking about this probably six months in the past from when people are listening, but I'm pretty sure that I won't have patented it by yet by then. What about like? Here's another idea. It's a little <laughs> out of left field, but maybe maybe it works. I don't know. I just thought of it. What yeah. if you get tackled, the ball hits the ground, and then the grass like self paints itself, so that like a like a this line gets painted real time on the the field. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. You know what I mean? And then like, yeah. and then you, and then they like paints itself green again like you need a lot of paint for this idea but like it seems more reasonable what about let's let's play off of that then uh if instead of the grass painting itself because i feel like that'd be a lot of effort to ask on on grass yeah you're right uh, we just hire like homeless children with paint rollers to run out and just paint lines every time there's a first down oh boy that was my original thought when this whole (laughs) not homeless children but i I was like I don't know where this is going. This is going to hell in a handbasket, and I'm out of rum. <laughs> the technology already exists. I mean, you see tennis, and they do that zoom-in thing. Yeah, oh yeah. And then we got, like, old dudes carrying chains. Yeah. You know, it's like, ridiculous. It's a billion-dollar league. But probably 10-ish yards apart, as long as there's right. no kinks in the chain, and as long as it's straight, and as long as it's put down in the correct spot initially. It is a pretty basic system yeah. that you we bring this up. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But do you think it adds to the intrigue? Well, I think it adds so- to the old-timey charm, just like the it's- referee's wearing hats. And the, they're like stirrups or whatever that shit is. On their own. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're, they're baseball players who got lost. Right. All right. Well, well, I think we. I'll oh, go ahead. The, there is a certain skill to it, like as far as can the, the players see it. Some players do have that, like internal. I know where the line is, like the Kevin Fox Kevin and the Troy. Bur- yep. Where they'll catch it and they'll fall forward exactly where they need to. That's true. They don't want to get rid of that skill, you know. Mm-hmm. And as Andy pointed out, Drew Bledsoe did not have that skill. <laughs> well, that wasn't me. That was uh, your quote, bud. Dude, I don't know what I, has been said so far, but I will say this. They mentioned that um, half of the blood in Bledsoe's body bled out. Yes. So yeah, that, was gonna, that was going to be my worst, yeah. But they but they got it all back in. <laughs> yeah, they did. They pumped it back in. Yeah. Where did they find the blood? Did they, like, scrape it off the, the grass? I mean, was yeah, it all I mean, internal? Well, did they use his blood? I have no idea. Like, Fuck, let's just find somebody else. I just, I just remember Belichick it? saying he might be out for, like, one or two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, he was out a little bit longer than that, but that's okay. Man, half the blood in his body. That's fantastic. Modern medicine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so actually, um, speaking of Bledsoe's injury, they had um, an article in the Globe this, this week before that talking about what the injury actually was. And the quote is, what he did have was a sheared blood vessel that led to a condition known as hemothorax, in which blood, not air, enters the lungs. Jesus fucking Christ. In due time, the blood was removed via tube from the lungs and redirected back into his system. Honestly, oh. the things you can learn. <laughs> That's insane. That's Dude, so he was crazy. like heart fish for a little bit. Like he was like breathing blood. 
as opposed to air. That's like some superhero shit. Yeah. I, I love I, him. So, I mean, I'm assuming it's only happened in one of his lungs, right? Oh, how or does that work? Maybe it was both. Well, I mean. Frank, can you look it up for us, please? <laughs> Fact check. It was my heartfish syndrome. Heartfish syndrome? I think it's, uh, yeah, lungfish. No <laughs> lungs. So, and on top of that, I know we talked about it at the beginning about, um, like, when it happened. We're talking about whether or not he had a concussion. And there was another quote in this this same article talking about that you probably did. So the, the Bledsoe case is interesting because it demonstrates the limited ability of even the most trained doctors to make accurate judgments in a hurry. Dr. Sarens was their doctor at the time, was standing just a few feet away from where Bledsoe was hit. He examined Bledsoe immediately for any signs of a concussion and decided there were none. It continues. But Bledsoe did last just one more series before Belichick pulled him when it was obvious he wasn't in full command of his faculties i had communication with some of my teammates and based on that they went to bill and said maybe i should go out bledsoe explained what concerned his teammates damon heward and mark edwards was that their quarterback didn't really know what plays he was running sounds like a concussion (laughs) (laughs) that his that the team doctor who literally was standing a few feet away from when he got hit couldn't diagnose correctly Yeah, I will say this. I will say this, and I I don't want to bring the mood down, but it has to be addressed because this was just released, and people listening to this will have a little bit more time to take it in. Um, But in in talking about getting your bell rung, which we've all seen like concussions and whatever in our playing Mm -hmm. days, as you know, previous listeners will know my playing days um <laughs> all three of them right um but they were mean and i was playing cornerback slash linebacker <laughs> don't get me started um <laughs> but uh yeah with concussions becoming like a, a bigger thing uh there was the aaron hernandez uh, documentary which i think a lot of it is already common knowledge um but we mm-hmm. also see the antonio brown stuff kind of escalating pretty quickly uh since the last few episodes and then um uh, also, in one of the articles that you posted, it was talking about Leon Gray, who kind of, you know, yeah. withered away and passed in his like apartment, which I think he was in his 40s. Um, and there were some suspicions about what led to that. Uh, There's uh, another player who passed homeless um, on the street by himself. And then I was looking at um, an article on Antonio Brown and the Steelers. Mm. There was like, um, you know, a Hall of Fame center. Uh, forget his name, but uh, he uh, passed sort of homeless and had problems and they were, uh, they were just, uh, the teams kind of turned their back on them. So what do you think about all that? I mean, and seeing something like that happen to Bledsoe, that could have probably, you know, or at least like it could have changed his life a bit like it did, I think, for Antonio Brown. Uh, What do you think about like, because I think we've talked about concussions a little bit, um, in this season alone, it kind of seemed like it was already popping up a little bit more frequently. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think I noticed even in this game, um, I think they, they, cause they, they flash up a, a list of all the injuries that had happened in this game to the Rams alone. Mm-hmm. And I believe Aeneas Williams was on that list as having suffered a concussion but then, like a few plays later, he was in there making the tackle. Uh, or he was in there on the blitz putting his, his helmet in Tom Brady's chest. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so he's still out there leading with his head, even after he had been di- diagnosed with a concussion, they let him back in there to, to continue playing. So I think it's like just looking back at it now from what we know is going on these days with the, with the information that we have and like how much more research has been put into it, especially with CTE and everything. Mm-hmm. It does have a different tone to it than just like, you know, rub some dirt on it and get back out there. Right. Seems like that's what it used to be. Oh, it definitely was. I'm wondering, I mean, obviously they're taking steps to kind of prevent some of this stuff. Uh, Maybe this year they're talking about removing kickoffs altogether and whatnot. And, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but do you think that it's just prevalent to this? And I know that it's like guys banging their heads against each other, but like I hear like soccer players have this. So is it like inherently a sports thing or do you think it's primarily like, and obviously we don't know at the moment, but. Yeah. Um, I I think. I mean, obviously, I'm just making shit up now. Sure. But I, I, mean, I think yeah. that it's probably prevalent in the majority of sports because, like they say, you can get this, like they're seeing CTE and soccer players from heading the ball and shit like that, mm-hmm. um, which is a big part of soccer. But I think that you're I – I feel that sports like football and probably to a certain extent maybe like rugby and things like that, those collision sports, hockey, those sorts of things – I think you'll see it like worst cases of of CTE mm-hmm. in the future. Like I think you'll see it in in all sports, but it'll be more severe in the ones where there's like collisions all the time. Like I've uh, offensive and defensive linemen. That's kind of what they do every play. They just right. bash heads with each other. So I don't know how you fix it either because hitting is part of the game, and it's not like it, it has to be these big hits that you take. It's it's all the hits that kind of pile up is what it seems to be where the research is is going with this right you don't you don't have to solve it but you you can do things like give the players lifetime health insurance right yeah true that yeah the amount of money that you make when you're not doing that right now yeah especially with with, with the money that they're making hand over fist it's not like they can't afford it the teams don't give a shit once they cut you you know if you're not performing so like make that require them to give them health insurance yeah basically sacrificing their body so you can make all that money like that's an easy solution that doesn't take any doctors or research or anything right it's true yeah. I mean, and, that's conti- fair, yeah. and continues the sport too because i exactly. think it if, shows respect to the players yep but i i, I mean i think there's the, i don't know how true it is or what the numbers are but there's been stories out there how youth football and participation in it is declining rapidly right. so does it get to a point where you just don't have the same pool of players to choose from yeah i mean i think there is something to that i mean obviously it's always going to offer an opportunity for for anybody who doesn't have any other way to like make an income or make a big splash like that and it can kind of provide opportunities but yeah i I think it does affect i mean that's a good idea i've always been in the camp of like we probably didn't have know all this info, you know, years past, but you know that banging your head against somebody else is not the greatest thing inherently. Um, yeah. But, and it's their choice, but uh, like Greg said, maybe that would, you know, fix something. Um, obviously the, these people are putting their body through the ringer in their minds, but you know, I think a lot of them do that for their families and it's a conscious decision, but at least make it a little bit more humane while we're trying to clean it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. And for anybody who's listening, we didn't solve shit with that conversation, and I don't want to hear it. 
<laughs> so you can tweet at Mike. <laughs> no Twitter. Thank uh, you. No Twitter. All right. Yeah, that asshole. Yeah, no social media. All right. So. Oh yeah, I was, I was gonna try to pull a Drew Bledsoe quote out of my thing, but the only comment I have on Drew Bledsoe is that he bled out half the blood in his body. All right. Well. Yeah. Glad I Actually, derailed no, everything. That's not true. Um, so uh, well, well, I think we can get to it in a little bit. But um, so, what did you? What were your kind of initial thoughts on this game? Because Mike, I know you were a bit more down on it than I was talking to you before we started this. Right. Um, I mean, it was interesting because I thought that the first half, you know, overall speaking, we can get into it. But the first half, it kind of seemed like a little bit more competitive defense was you know holding their own um and then sort of in the second half um which i still understand why they would be encouraged after this loss allegedly um <laughs> but it kind of seemed like it became the marshall fox show and it was just run it down to their throats every single play until yep. time ran out yeah so yeah, let's just touch on it a little bit so first quarter uh, the Patriots on their first drive, Brady throws an interception deep in his own territory. Uh, he basically hits Falk in the hands, Kevin Falk in the hands with a heater and it bounces off and it gets picked off. So the Rams start on like inside the 20 and score a touchdown three plays later. Um, right. And, and then, um, I will say it started off pretty well because the game opened with like two batted balls that Kurt Warner threw. And then yes. all of a sudden in the third play, he throws a 35 yard pass to Isaac Bruce. And it was yeah. like really well covered by Ty Law. Uh, so even though it was a good start for the D because they stopped them on that drive, uh, it was tough sledding the whole game. Yeah, yeah. But I think the, the Pats defense definitely gave Warner trouble. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think this, this game especially was one that uh, the Patriots brought pressure more than I can ever remember which against a team with this firepower seems really ballsy to me. But they were, it seemed like they were bringing at least five or six guys every, every defensive play from all over the place too. So talking about stack team, and, we haven't like gone over the, the roster like we usually have, but just true. looking at it, like Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Ricky Prohl, uh, Trung Candidate, which was like super fast, Marshall Falk, and that's like, uh, offense, but defense, like Dre Bly, Aeneas Williams, London Fletcher, Leonard Little, like this team was stacked. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, they had some, some big fucking names. Uh, and uh, like all those people you just mentioned went to the Pro Bowl. Kurt Warner, yeah. Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Marshall Falk, they were all Pro Bowlers. Falk and Kurt Warner were first team all pros. Um, and Marshall Falk was basically a video game at this point was this the year he was on the cover of madden it was around this time maybe in like 99 it's 2000 gotta be probably the year after right because the curse usually gets you yeah so so yes yeah, so this is probably on 2000 be my guess greg Stachek. i'm uh, on it but this was i mean talking about punts versus tds this is another rabbit hole i went down um marshall falk in this season outscored the kicker 128 points to 127 which is hard to do because the kickers get you know a point every time you score a touchdown plus all the field goals and all that jazz so the out of the top 20 scores of all time in the league 15 of those are, are kickers 
Wow. Which, yeah, which doesn't seem right. And I would tell you who they were if this page would load, but. Um, 2003, Madden cover. Really? So, yeah. But, yeah, the, so the only, uh, the top 20, the only players who aren't kickers are actually running back, surprisingly. Mm. So, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, in terms of uh, points in a single season, okay. like points scored, LaDainian Tomlinson first place in 2006. That was the year he had 31 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, that's or, unbelievable. Was it rushing touchdowns? I don't know if they were all rushing touchdowns, but yeah, he had like some overall. ridiculous amount. Yeah. But uh, so he scored 186 points. Second Sean place Alexander is, on there? He's second in 2005 oh. with 168 points. So it's, he's a distant second. He scored 28 touchdowns. Wow. Um, and then it's kickers uh, David Akers, Gary Anderson, Jeff Wilkins, uh, Priest Holmes in sixth place. He scored 27 touchdowns. Uh, Mark Mosley, who I don't actually know who the fuck Mark Mosley is. He doesn't have a position marked here. He is also a kicker. Let's uh, let's in edit 83. that one out and just like pretend that like <laughs> like do the research and then pretend that we knew what we were talking about. And, ah, he's uh, from the '83 Washington Redskins. So there you go. That who was that? Uh, oh, Mosley. Yeah, Mark. Oh, Mosley. obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know him. Yep. He was uh, 62 of 63 on field goals. Oh no, extra points. Mark Mosley Jr. Oh, sorry. But then uh, in eighth place was this year's Marshall Falk with 160 points, which is out of control. That's beastly. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, he like you said, I mean, this is why he, the, the second half looked like the Marshall Falk show because the whole season was the Marshall Falk show. Yeah, I also like made the note, and I don't know if there's any correlation, but the way that uh, Marshall Falk was used in this game, it sort of very much beat up the Patriots. And this was before the, the Patriots um, incorporated the scat back. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was pretty much just like, you know, run up the middle, run up the middle, kind of beat people down. Do you think that playing a guy like Marshall Falk sort of like changed his philosophy? Because I feel like as the years continued, the Patriots now are sort of known for those like flex backs um, that are good at doing a million things. Every you know, Vereen, um, all the way to like James White. So do yep. you think Danny that like, Woodhead. yep, exactly. So do you think that like I was thinking about it? I'm like, did this game maybe introduce that into his mind, or at least like facing them a couple of times? Um, maybe well, a this, little bit, but I think they already had Kevin Falk on the team. I know, but he was like, it was, I think, basic. I think, yeah, I, I think this was, I, and I think this happened with not just the Patriots where you know, it's a copycat league. And now I think people started to, to make their wide receivers be more of a receiving threat. But having said that, I mean, the Patriots from week one have been splitting their fullback out wide in five wide receiver sets. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and actually that been, to them. right. I mean, I feel like that's more gimmick than anything, but it is the start of something. I mean, yeah. so who is, uh, who is the originator of that? Does it go back to, I don't know, like the West Coast offense when it was instilled? Or like who started that like scat back thing? That's a great question. I don't know. All right. Again, we're, we're going to pause. We're gonna <laughs> get our information straight and we'll come right back. No, you know, we'll, just, we'll just have uh, our, our listeners tell us on Twitter because nobody loves 
to tell you uh, when you're wrong, like Twitter does. So okay. if you know I, the answer, tweet at Mike Mello. I don't have Twitter, man. That's how I, <laughs> I, that's how I escape this bullshit. No social media. Yeah. So, well, here's what we're going to do. So you can, you can tweet at our Pat's Dynasty info, but, but make sure it's, it's made out to Mike Mello. And I make won't sure. read it because I don't give a damn. Oh yeah, well we'll read it to you, so don't worry about it. It's cool. I won't listen because I don't. <laughs> really I'm barely paying attention now, so live reactions. Live reactions. <laughs> yeah, maybe eventually we will be live, and then maybe I'll I'll give a damn. Maybe if somebody calls in eventually, and we get that whole thing set up. Maybe oh, I'll care. That's we some human that. human contact. Right yeah, there. We have the technology. All right, we'll do that just for you. So eventually, can... when these become live shows. If we get Lee Johnson on, would you, would you, would you listen to him? You know, I don't, <laughs> I'll give him the, the benefit of the doubt. I did. I was a big, big fan uh, yeah, way back. I mean, his career started before I was born. I, I was still a fan. I was in the womb kind of pulling for the guy. So I bet you were. I would be, I would be into having that conversation. Good. And trying right. his like mustard sauce. That was him, right? I think so. Fuck, I don't remember. Was that Ken Walter? It was one of the punters. All right. Well, was it even a Patriots punter? I don't remember. I don't know. I'm moving on. It's sausage too, yeah. Um, all right. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So, I think you're right about the this being a game of two halves. The Patriots hung in in the first half because they had two interceptions in the first quarter off of Warner. Uh, it was a pick six by Terrell Buckley, which I don't know why I didn't remember that play happening, but it was a legit a legit play. It was definitely the highlight of the game, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, it was 7-7 seven, seven at that point. It's because it's they lost. I yeah. ha- I'm having a yeah. effect. I have way more distinct memories of wins. Oh, than yeah. Losses. That's so like, true. I, yeah, because you just put it out of your mind and you move on. Erase it, and I probably didn't watch any highlights or, you know, like yep. every team loses, you just ignore yeah. it. Yeah, you don't, you don't watch the Pats fifth quarter or anything like that. You just kind of turn the TV off and walk away. I've noticed that on a few times. Yeah, yeah, me too. Although I, uh, going back to the shit on Andy episode um, from a few weeks ago, I think I this this is one of the first games that I think I was still at home for. Either I come home for Christmas break or I had stayed home for Christmas. So, yeah. so I do actually remember watching this game. I will I say that the the pick sixes that you're talking about. I mean, Warner threw one to Terrell Buckley, like you said, and then the next yeah. drive, Warner threw a pick to Teddy Bruschi at like the Rams forty. So yep. you would think that would be um, a, a game-defining moment, but you it was think, not. Yeah. Well, I think it's just because it was early. It's like watching the Falcons Pat Super Bowl. Like the the Rams were driving up and down the field the entire time, almost like the Colts game earlier in this. Well, both Colts games earlier in this season where Manning and the Colts could drive all the way up and down the field, but then they'd stall and miss field goals or go for it and fourth down and not get it sort of thing. And I think that was happening in the first half um, because, yeah, the, the Rams threw two picks in the first quarter, um, punted once in the first on their opening drive, uh, missed a field goal in the second quarter, but then the pat, they missed a field goal, pass drive down inside the five, going to to take a um like a 17-7 lead instead Antoine Smith fumbles the ball Rams get the ball on their own was it 3 yard line something like that 2 3 yard line yeah i think it's 2 yeah something with 2 minutes left in the half 
and drive 97 yards for a touchdown, averaging Which, like 20 was, yards a play. Yeah, that was incredible. That like, I mean, that swung everything, obviously, and poor Antoine Smith at the time. That sucks. But yeah. um, that two-minute drill was flawless. It was, it, it was nasty. It didn't even look like they were trying. They weren't huddling up between plays and shit and taking timeouts at random times, but they still, like, it didn't matter. It just felt like the Patriots had done so well up until this point with how much pressure they were getting on Warner. And then as soon as the two-minute warning hit, they backed off and Warner just carved them to pieces. Well, I think that the uh, the announcers could sense that because I wrote a couple of things like around this time that they were kind of bringing up. And mm. one is that they went into this whole story about Antoine Smith and uh, how nice of a guy he is. It is a pretty crazy story. But apparently yeah. he turned down a scholarship to Auburn uh, he put off college for three years to take care of his parents. So I think his grandfather had cancer. His grandmother was going to dialysis. Yep. And he worked at a factory for three right. years doing this, put everything off, and then got a scholarship to Houston and, you know, continued on his path. But that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of similar to the uh, – uh, well, Troy Brown has kind of a similar story. And also uh, David Patton, who was – Right. They didn't actually mention this game, but they mentioned a, f- a few games talking about yeah, him yeah. chucking around bags of coffee beans, sacks of coffee beans. Well, I, I choose to remember Antoine Smith in this game for his loving heart and not the fumble. Yeah, um, brutal fumble. And then I thought this was uh, pretty hilarious. But there was a, uh, they were talking about how Brady was the first Patriot quarterback to have over 65% completion yeah. uh, passing in uh, four straight games. So yeah. in the history of the Patriots, they never had a quarterback go over 65% in four straight games. That is unbelievable. Including, including Drew Bledsoe, who was yeah. like the savior of the franchise. Right. That's but unbelievable. They did say that like two of those games, he was at like 70-something percent, and the other two, he wasn't. <laughs> right, right. But I thought that was funny. I mean, the guy played like what, six or seven games at this point? He's already like, yeah making some kind of records yeah, uh, yeah i also thought around this time it was funny not to shit on bledsoe but hey he did it to himself um the 90 so from 93 to like 2000 he only mm. missed seven games and he uh the patriots were one in six without him yeah 2001 with brady at this point they were five and two so that's pretty amazing yeah it is can you name the one win and the the one and six, you name the quarterback. Dude, I want to say it was Zolak. I uh, believe it was. And it was like he was like pointing to the gods, and uh, I think I don't <laughs> oh, know. He was hamming it up. I yeah, say yeah. Forty Niners, maybe. Was this a Bledsoe finger thing, or was Zolak the one with the finger? Was that around that time? With the finger? Yeah, it was like a broken finger or something like that. Oh, Bledsoe played through a broken finger. Oh, okay. I don't remember, but I do remember this game, and Zolak was like freaking out, and you know, yeah, yeah Zolak's a uh, he's a bit of a nutcase. Did that one game set him up for like the rest of his career? I think as an uh, yeah. commentator, anyway. I think well, just being a backup to Drew Bledsoe, I think. Was but he had that to... one sick game. He did have one sick game. He's got that win, an NFL win under his belt, which is more than any of us can say. So I'll give it to him. Um, all right, let's go to the second half. Uh, I thought the third quarter was actually okay. Patriots still in it. Um, it ended 17-10 Rams, and it, it was 14-10 at the half. So the Rams got a field goal. There was out of eight drives, no one really went anywhere. Um, 
It was kind of sloppy. The, the Warner had the fumbled snap near midfield. He just dropped the snap, and the Patriots recovered. Uh, the very next play, Tom Brady under pressure off his back foot, chucks an interception to the middle linebacker, whoever the hell that was. Mm. And question. again, I'm, I'm surprised that Bill kept with them. It's not very Bill-like. But again, yeah. the alternative is, you know, Plato. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a second because I have some thoughts on that. Um, so, yeah, so, but going into the fourth quarter, the Rams have the ball driving into the third, into the fourth, and uh, they basically just walk down the field and score that touchdown. Warner the, they, Warner was getting no pressure on him at this point. I think the defense was a bit gassed because they'd been on the field for so long, and he threw a touchdown to his fullback which was the fullback's first touchdown. I didn't even write down his name because I didn't care at this point. Um, so that makes it 24-10 Rams. And at this point, you're thinking it's over. But Brady immediately responds with, I think they all six plays were passing plays. Like they just spread it out wide, five wide, and just started chucking the ball over the yard. And Brady drives him down with a touchdown to Patton in the back of the end zone, which kind of had uh, a feel of that same touchdown to Patton that he would throw in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Kind of that back of the end zone fade, but to the other corner this time. Um, but then, like, the the next Rams drive was the last drive of the game. <laughs> because I think they had they got the ball back with, like, well, six or seven even, minutes left. And be, then... Before even getting into that, though, I feel like the announcers touched on this, and it was, to be fair – the first time that the Patriots sort of opened up the playbook a little bit and allowed Brady to throw more than like a five-yard pass. Um, so yeah. in, in getting his first opportunity to sort of do that, even after like, you know, his interceptions or whatever, um, yeah. pretty impressive drive, very quick. And It, it was, yeah. It, it felt very Brady-esque of what you know of him now, whereas some of the earlier mistakes, like the interceptions that he was throwing, didn't yeah. feel like the guy that we, we know and love at this point well and they put up like the stat where it was like you know to prove that point where they had no big plays because they were dinking and dunking you know maybe oh, yeah. it was uh plays of over 10 yards or something like that yep. and the rams had 22 i think and the pages had four yep and it was halfway through the fourth it was before this fourth quarter drive by brady and i think almost all of the plays on that drive like all six of them were over 10 yards for the most part yeah so that was interesting yeah, but like you said, the Rams get the ball back, and the Patriots defense just can't get off the field on third down. I think the Rams converted like three or four maybe on the drive and just kept the ball for the last six minutes of the game. Six minutes? I, I, thought, I thought it was like seven and a half, almost eight. Uh, it may have been even longer than that, yeah. Um, I have the, the log here. Let's see when they get the ball. They got the ball back with seven and a half minutes left, 737. Uh, yeah, and it was brutal. Yep. Yeah, let's see. Marshall Falk, seven-yard run. Marshall Falk, four-yard run. Trunk Candidate, one-yard run. Uh, Kurt Warner to Marshall Falk for two yards. Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk for 18 yards. Marshall Falk run for eight yards. Minus one yards, nine yards. Kurt Warner runs for no game, fumbles it, but recovered by Trunk Candidate. Andy, you're going to put the listeners to sleep. Oh, 12 As I was about to when I was watching this damn game. Couldn't get off the field. And then I think the backbreaker was third and four, 222 left. Uh, just, like you still have the two-minute warning to stop you, to stop the clock. You can get the ball back. Third and four, Marshall Falk up the middle for six yards, game over. 
Yeah, it was 24-17. So. Yeah, so it was still a touchdown lead. But, I mean, well, the Rams at that point were in field goal range, so they could kick the field goal. True, true. Uh, but it took three knees, and, and that was the game. It's definitely a different defensive approach than the Super Bowl, though. Yeah, and I think that's that kind of goes back to my point that I started with, is that the what the Patriots learned from this game as well, being able to, one, kind of judge what they were getting themselves into, two, know that they can kind of keep pace with this team, and, and give Kurt Warner problems because all the stats that they were showing were that um, this offensive production was way under what it, it, it usually is. Like all, all the averages were, were way lower playing this Pages defense. So the Pages defense knew that they could hang in there. And it's just up to the Brady and the offense to stop making these mistakes, stop fumbling it within inside the five. So you felt like you were kind of right there on the doorstep. But you also were able to figure out what else you, you needed to do to, to, to stop things like Marshall Falk going off. I don't know. I think I kind of feel differently. I think it shows that I think the Rams made a lot of mistakes, made turnovers, and this game could have been a blowout. And they were like, I think we need to try something different if we're going to – and that's at home on the grass where you're slowing down. You yeah. get them in a turf – Orleans, they said, all right, let, we got to slow down these, you know, backs coming out of the thing by hitting them, getting up in the receiver's face on the line, like, like actually slow them down. Well, they, yeah, I think, I mean, I w- I'm sure we'll get to it when we get to the Super Bowl, but I, I feel like I remember you know, three games of glory or something like that, where they talk about the first game, their defensive game plan was to get pressure on Kurt Warner and, and, and throw off his timing that way. And then when they realized that wasn't going to work because they couldn't get to him in the second half of this game and he started carving them to bits, it was to disrupt the timing by hitting the receivers instead and, and chipping Marshall Falk wherever he went and making sure there was somebody there to take away that outlet too. Allegedly. This is, yeah, this, this, is the first, this is the first half of that. But you're right, because they did show a stat where this – um, greatest show on turf like turf is actually a big part of that because the offense as a whole is actually a, a TD worse a touchdown worse in production because uh, they averaged this, this is mind-blowing I mean, they averaged 35 points per game on turf or like since 99 and uh, they're only averaging 28 points per game on grass which that 07 Pats played on turf that would be nasty that would be so awesome oh god <laughs> That would be unfair, I think. I mean, it was unfair. They scored 75 touchdowns that year. Um, I, I will say I, I thought this was a good bill, um, but they were talking about that, you know, leading up to this game, and I'm sure after, that uh, Bill had the scout team face, uh, you know, when, when they're facing each other, the, the receivers were lining up at um, three yards ahead of the ball. Just to give a, to spot that sort of speed that they uh, don't have on the pads to replicate that. But I thought it was funny that he's, you know, thinking that far ahead where oh, he's yeah. creating these like weird parameters with the scout team. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, and I yeah, I, that's just one of those stories you always hear that makes you realize that Belichick is just like further ahead than his his coaching counterparts. I think. Because he does, he, he tries to make his, it feels like he tries to make his starters 
practice at a disadvantage so that when they actually get to the game, they're either prepared for it or um, it's it comes easier to them because they've been playing at such a disadvantage all week. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Seems like a principle. You know, kind of surprised that more coaches aren't like ahead of the curve on things. I mean, maybe the armies don't hear about it just because this is, you know, Belichick's been here for so long and so all these stories finally come out after guys retire sort of thing, you know? That's what I think. It's like half of Belichick's success is like culture-driven rather than him being a genius. Like half of being a good coach is getting player buy-in. Yeah. So that's like this early on. You're basically setting yourself up for future success. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I mean, I still think there is some genius in there. I mean, he's got his... But I think a lot of genius that may not make it because they have a one, two-year span show Yeah, well, else. yeah, I, I think it's a difference of being a really good uh, like offensive or defensive coordinator and being a really good head coach. Because head coach, you have to build that that whole system of a team as well instead of just focusing on one or the other. Yeah, it's probably circumstances too, right? You get a good owner that like gives you authority to make decisions, yep. or you know, you kind of hit on a Brady late in the draft, and right. you, it turns out to be a gem, yeah, like or Russell Wilson are, or something, yeah. Exactly, out of your hands, but you got to take those things and run with them. Well, and oh, I think yeah. there's something to be said for him being a genius because, along with the culture, um, you know, he cheats and <laughs> there it he is. does it. He does it in a way that is actually brilliant because he'll cheat for however many years until it like doesn't work anymore. And then he'll get caught and you think, <laughs> Oh my God, these guys again. But then if you look at it the next year, like it motivates the crap out of the team because it's them against the world. So the guy uses cheating to his advantage and then gets caught and uses it again. That's fucking genius. <laughs> Once he's done with it, he's like, ah, right, yeah, we can get caught doing this. Right. It's fucking great. <laughs> It helped him beat the the Bengals this year. It's like, oh, oh yeah, we, we, we should send a film crew to the Bengals game. Dude, he was meeting up with like Alex Cora uh, a few times. <laughs> I, I don't know if if it's as big a deal in the future when you guys are listening to this, you'll you'll you can chime in. But we'll just leave it at that. Oh, gosh, <laughs> man, that that's that's a hot take. I like it. Mike's back. Oh, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the uh, I'm feeling yeah. good, baby. Nice. All right, do you boys have uh, anything else you want to touch on? Anybody else you want to talk about? Well, I mean, we never really talked about Kurt Warner at all. No? I mean, he's a pretty pretty amazing story when you think of it. It's true. Do you want to share that story? Because I do think it's pretty pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, he was bagging groceries for five fifty an hour. <laughs> and I'm- then, like, Six years later, he's like running the best offense in the NFL for three it's years true. straight. I got to say, though, even in um, uh, an NFL uniform, he still has that like grocery bagger look to him. Okay. Yeah, he did. Like, I, I don't know if it's like his stance. Yeah, I, just or, wanna, I don't like want to offend the uh, grocery baggers out there. So, can you elaborate on that, please? I don't know if it's like his stance or what, or just like his posture or just the way he moves, but like, he doesn't look like a world-class athlete to me. Maybe it's the fact that he has no chin and he tries to wear that like tiny little chin strap that Brett Favre used to wear. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's just like a piece of like a flap of leather underneath. 
I don't know what it is. He's not sure. He does not look like an athletic dude. He just doesn't look cool. There is yeah. a definitely coolness factor for like athletes. Like Sam yeah. Bradford, not cool. True. Mahomes, he's cool. Yeah, he, he is cool. Um, and but also like yeah, he was he was bagging groceries. He was you know arena football. He was in NFL Europe when that was a thing. All that stuff. But if mm-hmm. Trent Green doesn't go down with an injury, same thing. There's no Kurt Warner. Mm. Yeah. So that's crazy. And that was yeah, like there's early no Kurt Warner. There's there's no. There's no Patriots Super Bowl win, in theory. There's no so we there's thought no the nine eleven comeback started <laughs> the dynasty, but it might have been Trent Green. It might have been. Well, fucking in. All right. Well, that's, that's what I like about on. talking to you guys. We're always learning. <laughs> Wasn't it uh, Ronnie Harrison that hurt Trent Green too? Was it? Oh. I don't know. We gotta look that one up. Are we all Googling right now? This is great radio. Um, it was. In 1999. Are you serious? To, according to Google, here we go. In 1999, Green was slated to be the starter for the Rams, but suffered a gruesome season-ending knee injury in a preseason game on a hit by Rodney Harrison of the Chargers. Wow. That's why everyone says he's the dirtiest player in the league. Remember he kept getting closer? Well, what about uh, Bernard Pollard? That guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fucking hell, yes. This is all on Wikipedia. Wow, so Rodney Harrison started the Patriots dynasty. Oh, wow. Somebody uh, tweet that out to him because that's unbelievable. I'm going to let you do it because I'm scared of shit of Rodney Harrison. Dare I say, God bless. <laughs> oh, you like two? What? Oh, you like two, then? Say What? What? You haven't seen that commercial? No. <laughs> I missed it. I told you a lazy river if you wanted it. And Rodney, he got his drilling. He's like, zzz, zzz. oh, you like tubing? <laughs> oh, yeah. boy. Now you're going to have to post that for us. Oh, we'll put it in the show notes. That sounds amazing. Imagine if Rodney can knock the ball out of, you know, you know, a wedge between a hand and a helmet. Uh, he would be the greatest. Yeah, he would. Yeah, well, that's he for would. another day. Yeah, I think it is. The Rod Pod? The Rod Pod? Excuse you? Kurt Warner's in this commercial. Jesus. Are you going to have to Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't. I have no idea. Yeah, he builds his own little uh, man cave and he calls it the Rod Pod. Yep. (laughs) Oh, you're right. So they're both players. uh, Man. Well, although that would make sense that Kurt Warner would be hanging out with him. Mike, uh, football or not football, Rod Pod. Rod Pod. I actually, this one is pretty easy for me because I I did see the commercial and what he's talking about is like, you know, with the money that he has, he created this environment where it's kind of like a man cave. Hmm. Um, so it's the Rod Pod. Um, What's the Rod in this situation? The Rod is, uh, it's Rodney. It's Rodney. It's oh, it's his nickname. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That makes and Kurt Warner uh, makes some joke about like a Hall of Fame jacket or something and eats chips or something i don't know man it, <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely football or not i don't know man it's whatever i do <laughs> commentary what was that warner does the i think he does the monday night radio call or oh yeah he does something like for like westwood one or something right westwood one yeah yeah i've heard he, i've come across it randomly 
every once in a while. He's better than the guys that got running the ESPN broadcast. Well, yeah. And That's he true. seems to be a Patriots fan, unlike Marshall Falk and those guys that were part of that team. So I can respect him. That's true, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah, you hate Marshall Falk, don't you, Andy? Yes. Um, but sp- All right, this is a great segue. You ready for this? Speaking of douchebags on the Rams, how about Leonard Little? Oh. <laughs> that was pretty good, right? Did either of you go down the rabbit hole I did? No. Nope. Uh, you're doing it, so, it's like, so Leonard Little is grade A douchebag. Uh, I don't even know. A kind of, let's say, a less successful Tyreek Hill, um, but worse. Uh, Go on. And by so, that, you mean enabling of domestic violence with pregnant girlfriends and beating kids and threatening women? But worse. Oh, wow. So, so um, shame on you, Kansas City, by the way. Shame on you. Uh, yeah. So when he was um, a rookie, his rookie season, Leonard Little, he went out, I don't know if it was after a game or something, but he went out, went out something and he was drinking and was driving home drunk and um, collided with another car of a mother who was going to pick up her son from a a concert and killed her. Oh yeah. Drunk driving. Um, and the quote that I found of him talking about it at the time said, uh, it was the family's deepest wish that little, a 24 year old, 24 year old rookie be taken away to prison for a substantial period of time. It didn't seem an outrageous wish. This was a man who, according to the police report was so indifferent at the time of the accident that he said of Susan Gutweiler, the, the lady that he killed, the expletive ran a yellow light and hit me, wrecking my $45,000 expletive car. Ran a yellow light? That's All right, funny. that's pretty douchebaggy. And he right. was looking. Uh, yeah. Wow. So uh, he pleaded... Oh, man. Do we, should we have, like, an episode where we're just, like, outing every fucking douchebag so that, like, it's on the record that they are giant pieces of shits and we don't support them whatsoever? Because that sounds yeah. fun yeah, we'll do, we'll do that during the bye week. That's perfect. <laughs> oh, okay. I've been uh, looking for a bye week topic, so there it is. Oh, um, so a... here you go. So for that, how much time do you think he served? Or was eight days? Little pleaded guilty to involuntary manslaughter and was sentenced to ninety days in the city workhouse, four years probation, and a thousand hours of community service. Doesn't this kind of like sound a little bit like um, Dante Stallworth's? Um issue i mean obviously i don't think he was a douchebag but i mean yeah i mean similar yeah drunk i mean drunk driving is sadly uh, a common occurrence in america for a variety of reasons but i think just the the fact that you're not um contrite about it i think is is not great but the other part of this is that um, this was not his only drunk driving offense. So, Wait, did you? Sorry to backtrack, but did you say $45,000 car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it that expensive. No, it was some massive SUV. It was, all, it was like a Lincoln something or other. Um, so, yeah, and he, his, uh, blood alcohol content was 0.19 so 
Mm. Which is well over the point oh eight in the state of Missouri. So yeah, he was suspended for eight games in that nineteen ninety nine season. Um and then other things that he uh he had on his record on January eighteenth, two thousand three, according to Wikipedia. Little was charged with communicating threats and making harassing calls um to his former girlfriend after um the girlfriend ended their relationship. And then on April 24th, 2004, he was arrested again for, surprise, surprise, driving while intoxicated after being stopped by the police for driving 78 in a 55. Um, at the time, he had red eyes, smelled of alcohol, and failed three roadside sobriety tests. He later admitted that he drank alcohol to the police, but uh, he was convicted of a misdemeanor speeding, but acquitted of DUI basically because uh, the police, I don't know, screwed something up and there was a loophole. But he was uh, prohibited from drinking any sort of alcoholic beverage for his probation. How long was this probation? Um, two years. No chance. No. Oh, absolutely not. So. Hey, drive. So, right. Douchebag of the week goes to Leonard yeah, Little. That's a good point. You can afford a $45,000 car, wherever, whatever that means. You can't get a driver. I mean, call a cab. Yeah. Invent the really... Uber. So the uh, the article that I found was interviewing the, the dead mom's son. And that's basically what he said. He's like, why the fuck aren't you just renting a limo every time you go out? Wow. Which can't argue with that. Oh, well, you're. And you know what I'm realizing? I'm realizing that in talking about football, there's a lot of dark moments on this podcast. Yeah. And but our, we're going to try on... to navigate them properly and and speak on it. But we're not authorities on this. This is um, true. We don't know shit. I, I think I can spot a, a piece of shit when I see one, but you never know. Yeah. So on, I don't know if a lighter note's the right term, but on a karmic note, um, in the aforementioned list of Rams players that got injured, on there was Leonard Litter, Leonard, oh, one more time, Leonard Little, who had sprained his MCL in this game. So, Patriots are karma for that shit. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Try yeah, driving with a sprained MCL, bitch. Yeah, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> All right. What? I know it's scumbag when I see him. Right. I was just jumping <laughs> on, on your uh, passion, Greg. So There you go. I mean, we could take it again. You start. What am I starting? Or just anything. Like, uh, how do you feel about Leonard Little? Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, he's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you should. Yeah, I, felt, I felt pretty good about that. Yeah, you sound yeah. like you felt pretty good. Yeah. All right. Um, I think it's about time we wrap this up. Does any of you want to do your best and worst? I don't have any. That's a surprise. Um, I will say my worst, and usually I love this, but it was a little silly in this game. Uh, Teddy Bruschi was just throwing his body around for the hell of it, even when it wasn't near the football. So there's like one play where Marshall Falk is, you know, cutting back into his run or whatever, and Bruschi is just seen launching himself <laughs> off screen. So, <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah. There's this flash of white off to the corner. Yeah. Well, there goes uh, Teddy Bruschi. So I don't know if that was that great. And then the yeah. uh, the best for me was seeing the um, the silver-painted head fan guy. Oh, yes. And and somebody had written on the top of his head, um, 
like coming up next Monday night countdown or something like that. I didn't see that. That's a, uh, yeah, like uh, like they came back from a commercial and it was like just showing the top of his head and it said that uh, and he lifted it up. Oh, with that I see. Sketchy look on his face. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that guy's name, but props to you. Unless he's a piece of shit, and then I take that back. <laughs> yeah, well, his most famous picture is a mugshot. What? So, wait, is that actually him? The guy with the yeah, tattooed head? Wait, yeah, he has yeah. a mugshot? Oh, man. See, I knew it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, what can't, I can't pull for anybody anymore. Yeah, he's got a Patriots helmet, like, tattooed on his head, too. He's bald. Yeah. Is that yeah, the crazy. same guy, though? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, well... We're talking about the guy that painted his whole head silver. They look kind of similar, so it might be the same. Look, guy. I'll make the statement. I don't know him. I don't agree with anything that he's ever done in his life. It was just, it was. I've seen him before in games, and it was, it was nice to see him again. Yeah, yeah, it was a blast from the past. All right, that's great, Greg. So you say you don't have a best and worst. You're not going to pull one out of your ass. Now that you guys mentioned the fans, there was one like. <laughs> I don't want to body shame people, but he was a W guy, like, and his head was just big. And he had one of those little, like, old school, not, like, quite leather helmet, but the <laughs> no mask. Yeah. squished his face into it. And, like, they thought on the stand that it just came in. I saw a giggle. So it looked like Ben Roethlisberger? Or, no, who was it that, uh, uh, not not the duck dude, but the, the other quarterback they started this year? Golf. Yeah, where uh, he got the concussion and they had to take his face mask off. And he had that, that head that looked like he had to pour into the helmet in the first place. Yeah, it I, just looks... Oh, look. I, I don't stand by anything that's being said right now. That's um, fun. Nobody cares. I actually kind of look down on it a little bit. I'm going well, to cut that out that you said that anyway, so don't worry about it. Oh, God. <laughs> Say that again, Greg? I was saying, if it was like the same situation as Rudolph, but it was Big Ben... Hmm. That face like spilling out of the helmet. Yeah, that's exactly. What... Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Um, my best for this game was the uh, live interactive polls on the challenges. Did you see this? Mm. Every time there was a coach's challenge, you know, they'd show the referee like watching the game. They do the the box, like the the shots of both head coaches and stuff. But then when they came back from the challenge, they, they I, I'm guessing you could like text in or something. It doesn't actually say, but it was the viewers' votes of let the play stand or overturn it, and it would show you the percentage, like how many people voted. So for I think this was the screenshot that I have is of the the Antoine Smith fumble, and out of thirty nine thousand six votes, fifty seven percent said overturn it, and forty three percent said let the play stand. And why the fuck that isn't still a thing is amazing to me. Definitely still do that. Right? Because, oh, you could get so much, like, sports talk fodder out of that, especially if they get something egregiously wrong, like mm. last year's um, NFC Championship game where it should have been pass interference. Like that sort of shit. Oh. But maybe, fuck it. Let them decide. Let them make the call. Yeah, but yeah. maybe that's... Uh, exactly. Like, like, yeah, that, that voting should be what, what results in the actual play. Yeah, but now yeah. that you bring that yeah. up... I mean, remember the show Playmakers, how it was out for a season and then the NFL squashed that. And yep. then, like, then there was an NFL Blitz, the video game, mm. where, like, you know, you could do all kinds of messed up shit, and then they squashed yep. that. And then now, we, even in Madden, like, they, they're pretty tight on certain things. So maybe for that reason, actually, they're like, you mm. know what? Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to make your referees look bad. You might be right. That's right. a good point. 
All right. So that was my best. Um, and my worst was uh, our our old friend Shank, Dan Shaughnessy. The day after the game uh, is real immediate, just firing up that QB controversy machine. And I'm going to leave you with this quote from Dan Shaughnessy. Well, then I'm going to I'm going to piggyback on this quote as well. All right. All so, right. Leave the Cadillac in the garage. The Toyota takes you around town, and it gets better gas mileage. Talking about Brady versus leaving Drew Bledsoe on the sidelines in a close game against a good team. Yeah, who who is he? Who's who in that? Uh, Drew this Bledsoe is the Cadillac. Shank's such a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So maybe we'll tweet this at him too. Will you still stand by this, you fucking moron? Yeah, Cadillac, my ass, dude. <laughs> right. Well, and uh, to piggyback on that, I thought I was kind of let down by this. But you know how, like, Brady, even throughout most of this, you know, the opportunity, he's been very confident. Everything that he says is, like, basically, I'm the best. I'll learn from this, uh, whatever. So, um, Bletso, uh he had a quote where he was just talking about, you know, what happens with playing time or whatever. And he says, I intend to make it very hard for Brady to stay on the field. But yeah. if he's playing better than I am, he'll keep playing. I was like, what kind of – all right, I'm not going to go <laughs> crazy, but what kind of <laughs> – Shit is that? Like, no, I love that. That's exactly now, what you want. You're... Convince me that you want the time. Don't play PC. That wasn't PC. Yeah, it was. It was like, yo, if uh, he's playing better than me, then he'll keep playing. No, don't don't say that. Should say I'm no. gonna I'm gonna get the job. I'm gonna get the no. job. No, but Greg, what? I'm with Andy. It's he's being realistic. Yeah. All right. And he's well, also like not shitting on Tom Brady too. Yeah, yeah but here's that. the thing. All right. My uncle told me this this once, and I don't know if it's true, but it doesn't matter because it still makes my point. Uh, <laughs> there was this soccer player one time. He kicked a goal from, from midfield, right? And then he did it again. He did two – he shot two goals from midfield, won the game, and after the game they said, um, hey, man, like, how did that happen? And then he said, uh, you know, it was luck. It can happen to anybody. And you know who that guy was? Who? No one knows because no one fucking remembers him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you got to ham it up, baby. PR. Dude, that, That's such you, a typical Portuguese, like. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. Of the story. Dude, 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 don't bring, story. don't bring this into it, okay? <laughs> you know it's true. What do you say, Greg? Can't hear you, Greg. Say that again. It's just, it's very Portuguese, you know, like the I'm right, you're wrong. Oh, All right. right. Whatever, man. I'm American, baby. So on that note, see you next week. Uh, love talking <laughs> to you guys. It's always a pleasure, even when it's not. Hell yeah. I love it. Thanks for, thanks for walking us out. What do we have to look forward to next week, Mike? Tell me about it. Dude, you, we're, the Patriots are playing this team, and that team, they their guns are out, and they're just firing on all cylinders. So if that's not a teaser for you, I don't know what is. <laughs> They're coming marching in if that helps. Sure. Easier. Saints are coming marching into Foxborough Stadium. Right, right, right. The only team so far this year to have beaten the Rams that we just lost to. So we'll have that to look forward to next week on the episode of the oh, Patriots Dynasty Podcast. Greg, what? Last thing. This is the last time 
that the Patriots have lost to the Rams. Oh, well, yeah. That's pretty good. That was worth stopping it. And now for the fourth attempt at exiting this podcast. <laughs> Great hearing from you guys. Love you. Take it easy. Yeah. Bye.